0: I was terrified. I was so scared. What if I put myself out there and no one wanted it? What if no one turned <laughs> up? What if yeah. they thought it was stupid? And I let fear hold me back, which was really interesting because normally when people want to do this sort of thing, the bit they get stuck with is the, how do I set it up? What do I do? How do I get people to buy into it? How do I market it? How do I, you know, manage it and all that sort of thing. And that's stuff I was cool with. But honestly, the fear just Held me in one position
1: for literally must have been way over 12 months. You're listening to Teresa Heath wearing describe what she was feeling before she decided once and for all to launch her very own membership site. Teresa is an expert social media marketer, blogger, and podcaster with over 15 years of experience. She runs her own marketing agency and has helped hundreds of clients create and launch online courses, membership sites, and other digital products. Earlier this year, Teresa launched her own membership site, and on the podcast today, she shares the exact way she promoted her launch, a specific webinar strategy she used that converted 25% of attendees into paying customers, and an astounding new member engagement tip that most people would never think to do. There are a lot of other gems in here. Teresa has such a wealth of knowledge and enthusiasm for digital marketing, but even with all her experience, she also shares stories of how daunting the process was and how she overcame that. Regardless of where you are in your own entrepreneurial journey, I hope you walk away from our conversation with something valuable that will positively impact your business. So without further ado, let's get to it. I'm your host, Eric Ternison, and this is episode 132 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey Teresa, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Eric. I'm really pleased to be here.
1: Yes, it's my pleasure and... We met March of this year at Atomicon. That was a really fun and exciting event. And I recall one of my memories of you is we were sitting in the back of the room and you were about to go up and do your speech, your talk. And you were talking about how you were nervous about it. Then you go up on stage and completely blow everybody away. 100% execution, 100% rapport. So I was wondering in your mind, like, what is the value of nervousness? How do you respond to it? Do you know what? I
0: think there's a few different things. Firstly, I'm Glad I still get nervous in a way because I think it shows that I care. Because if I was completely blase about it, then I would worry that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so over this already. And then the other side of it is I read a lot and I listen a lot to podcasts and books. And I've read Mel Robbins' Five Second Rule. And she talks about whenever she gets nervous, she tells herself it's excitement. And in truth, I think it is excitement. But I think I need that kind of adrenaline. But the minute I get on stage, the best thing about it is it literally just disappears. So I might be a little bit nervous where I go on. And and with Atomicon, I was really nervous, actually, because the boys are great. And I knew it was going to be an amazing event. And therefore, I was really conscious to make sure I did a really good job. Like, you always want to do a good job, but you know when you just think okay, I know what they've put into this and I need to show up and I need to be a bit funny, which right. is really difficult being purposely funny. So I need to be a bit funny. And so I, I put a lot of pressure on myself for that talk. But like I said, the second I got on stage, you do your first line or two, you take a breath and that's it. You're in. And and then it's like, I don't want to get down. Just keep me there all day. I love it.
1: Right. Well, again, you did an amazing job. A very memorable talk. What we're going to talk about in this podcast is you've recently launched your own membership site and you've actually been helping clients of yours for over 15 years do the same thing. And so now it's your turn to do it for yourself. So again, you're stepping on stage, you're getting in front of people with your own thing. Was there any nervousness in relating to To this, it's similar to getting up on stage and speaking and launching your own platform. Oh my
0: god! Honestly, it was the most scariest thing ever, and I had it in the wings, if you like, for years. But I was terrified. I was so scared that the person that can help people do this, or the person that can help market themselves, because obviously they market everybody else, and and all these great tools and tactics I had. What if I put myself out there and no one wanted it? What if no one turned <laughs> up? What if yeah. they thought it was stupid? And I let fear hold me back. Which which is really interesting because normally when people want to do this sort of thing, the bit they get stuck with is the, how do I set it up? What do I do? How do I get people to buy into it? How do I market it? How do I, you know, manage it and all that sort of thing. And that stuff I was cool with. Like I was like, yeah, I know how to do all that. But honestly, the fear just held me in one position for literally must have been way over 12 months. And then I basically drew a line in the sand and I said, and it was really funny, I I had said on a podcast it was coming and I'd put a date on it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is I would batch so far ahead that in my head, I was like, that is miles away. That is fine. And then of course it was out, like it was in that podcast. And even though the podcast wasn't going out for a few months or a few weeks or whatever, I had said it. So I kind of had to just keep going with it. It felt a bit rushed and it felt a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I knew if I didn't do it that way, I'd have never have done it.
1: Yeah, I like that. I, I often think, you know, over time we get to know our own tricks that we play on ourselves. I always compare it to bowling. I'm not very good at bowling and I don't do it very often, but when I do go, I do the first couple of bowls and I realize I'm trying to bowl straight, but sometimes it usually goes left or right. So rather than trying to get better at going straight, I just step right or left based on my own issues. I love it. (laughs) So you know, okay, well, how do I get motivated? You didn't necessarily think about this this way, but it sounds like you know how you get motivated and you knew you were holding yourself back. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to throw myself in a deep end and I know that that will help motivate me to get this stuff done. For sure.
0: And I knew that it would take... With a membership in particular, I knew that it would just take doing it that first time and having to draw that line in the sand the first time to motivate me enough to then go forward and you know, do what I now need to do going forward, but without actually saying it. And I'm very, um, I like to set myself kind of boundaries and and kind of tell myself. So when I email my audience, I tell them that I'll email them every Wednesday and I won't miss a Wednesday because I've promised to them. So when I make that promise, I'm not going to break it. Even when in my own head, I'm going, I really want to break it because I don't want to do it. (laughs) I stick to it. So I set myself a boundary and I had to stick to it. Didn't have a choice. That's
1: great. So, the thing that I'd like to go into, I, I'm really interested to hear about this because, as we've mentioned, you've helped many numbers of clients launch membership sites over the years. You know all the how to's, you know how to coach people through what they need to be coached through. So, now it's about yourself. So, I'd really like to break it down yeah. your experience with this launch, your planning process before the launch, during the launch, after the launch. And hear how you personally approached it, having all this arsenal of tools to choose from and what you chose to go through. So before we dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit about your membership site and who you serve there? Absolutely. So my membership site is called Marketing That Converts, the Academy.
0: And it's basically aimed at small ish business owners. So from solopreneur to basically, if you haven't got a marketing team, so if you're still at that point where you're doing it yourself and you're trying to manage it all yourself and also marketers, I do attract a fair few social media people and that sort of thing. And the idea of the academy is almost like having your own social media and marketing and digital marketing expert on tap. So obviously when I've helped someone launch in the past, They've paid an awful lot of money for us to consult them step by step for us to physically do stuff for them. And and to be honest, it's a certain level of business that can afford to do that. And what I was really conscious of is also there's a lot of information out there that is overwhelming and isn't straightforward and is wrong, quite frankly, when it comes to social media and digital marketing. And I've done a lot of things with a lot of people. So I have a lot of experience around that. I did a degree in marketing like 15 years ago. And, my entire world has been spent doing it. So I wanted to provide a membership where they could come in and get some of me and get some of my teaching so I can put full-on lessons in there. So rather than someone paying me an awful lot of money to sit in front of them and teach them how to do Facebook or teach them how to do ads or teach them how to come up with content or a funnel or whatever, then I could put courses in there that they can follow themselves. But then we can add on the coaching element. So we have coaching calls, we have Facebook Live, we have a community of a Facebook group where those guys can go in and literally ask me anything. So, and you know what? I just love it. Like, I can't tell you how amazing it is. Because one of the things I love more than anything is, and I can't help myself, I don't know about you, but when someone starts talking to you about their business, my brain wakes up and goes, oh, they could do this, they could do that, they could do the other. So, this is what I love about it that that's the idea that on tap, they can ask a question and get a straight answer. You know, So they're not sat there thinking, well, should I be doing a launch this way? Or should I use Pinterest or Instagram? Or should I do this? They can get on a coaching call, have a hot seat, ask me a question,
1: and I'll answer it for them. And that's great. And I think one of the things that your members definitely get from you, you have a natural excitement, which then can carry over and help motivate people. I was planning on covering this towards the end of this episode, but I'm feeling in my mind as people listen to this, they may be at different points and some people may be getting excited. Oh, like, this is great. I'm, I'm totally on board. I already know I want to launch something and build something. So I'm just going to be taking notes. But some people may be getting excited, but at the same time, that excitement can translate into fear. Like, oh, what if I'm not ready? Yeah. So I want to take some of these objections first you Because know, something you mentioned to me in our call before the podcast, you've been a part of a lot of different online marketing groups. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that can go on there, can it varies. And sometimes yeah. what can happen there is there's a lot of talk about big numbers and this can really make people shy away. They may think, oh, well, my list is not big enough. I, I don't have enough of an audience. So what do you say to people who who may have that concern that they can't go big? I think like you said, I am in
0: lots of different communities myself where I have joined memberships and I am part of different memberships. And in all honesty, there are some out there that are massive and I just feel completely lost in them. I feel like I can't get the most of what I need from them. And maybe that's a bit to do with me and my confidence in a in a larger group. You know, I'm not saying that everybody feels like that, but for me, that was one of the things. And often, like you said, when you're in these groups, and I'm in groups where when they talk about a case study, they talk about millions of dollars or they talk about a six-figure launch or whatever. And when they talk about strategies, they also often talk about you know, remarketing ads or things that are much easier done when your list is bigger or when your audience are bigger. And they don't often look at the kind of where you get started because let's be honest, these huge, amazing people who have got fantastic memberships and fantastic academies and courses online, they had to start somewhere. And now, of course, you follow them and you've listened to their advice and their advice is very much and seem to be pitched at the kind of higher end. Whereas in all reality, most people are going to start small and you shouldn't be worried about that and you shouldn't be concerned about it. I think if you're sat there thinking my list isn't very big, then obviously I, as a marketer, I'd always encourage you to try and grow that list. However, if people know you for the thing you want to do a membership for, then that is almost good enough. You know, If you have been doing the thing that you are going to sell your membership, which hopefully that is the case because otherwise you're going to have to learn something brand new. But as long as people are aware that obviously you do that thing, then you don't necessarily have to have a massive list. You can do it straight from your social media. You can do it from your interactions in other areas and things. And also, why not start that membership and have five or 10 or 20 people in that membership to begin with. And I'm sure we'll cover there's some great advantages to having a small number to begin with. So if you want to get going with it and you will really want to try, then you don't have to wait till you've got a massive list. Granted, if you've got a huge list, huge following, it is going to help. But... I think for me, my list was modest. And although I've done lots of speaking things, I still had a fairly modest list because I hadn't been building it for that long. And I am more than happy at the level I've opened and the level I went for and the numbers I had, to be honest, even though they weren't six-figure millions
1: of people in my membership. Right. And this has been actually a recurring theme in a lot of people I've talked to on the podcast, that the benefits of starting... Quote unquote, small, it's not just about starting small. It's about giving yourself time to grow into your offering because the product, the content, the offering, what you're putting in front of people is why people are going to pay you. And if you don't get that right and you don't have time to practice, then even if you have large numbers, they're not going to stick around. Something I like that multiple people have said, I mean, Andrew and Pete have said this, my last podcast guest said this. If one person gets benefit of something you did, that's great. That's enough. Because you build on that. You learn, okay, what worked, what didn't with this person, and you keep going. I'm completely on board with this opinion that small, organic is nothing to be concerned about. In fact, that's how MemberMouse started too.
0: The things that you can do with a smaller group and the learnings that you can take for them and for you are way bigger than you can manage in a larger group. Because when you're large, there are things that you just actually can't do because of the size of it. Whereas actually being the size it is, I've been able to do things that I'd have never been able to do in a membership that had 200 members. So for me, there's
1: lots of good reasons for it. I agree. And so now let's dive into the actual nuts and bolts of your launch. So starting with this, you know, like, as I said, we'll go into the before launch, during launch after. So let's talk about promotion. How did you start getting the word out? How far in advance were you doing this? Probably a couple of months
0: before it launched, I held myself accountable and put it on the podcast and put it in places to say, I'm doing this. And actually, funnily enough, it was from a coaching call from a group I'm in that kind of not pushed me to take action, but positively pushed me to take action. So a good couple of months beforehand, however, it literally was, I'm going to be doing something like an academy, it's coming. And that was pretty much as much as I said to begin with. Then from that point on, I went into list building and did some list building, which I did through uh, numerous different lead magnets and obviously put them on my email list. I have a weekly email where I literally just give value. So I tried to really add value and love them and give them stuff and help them. Things like if they emailed me, I would email them back. If they DM me, I DM them back and it might take time and granted, you know, it might take me a few days or even a week sometimes to get back to people. However, I wanted to make sure they knew that I was there and I was present and I cared about them and I was interested in them. But basically the way I launched it was through, following on from the lead magnets was through a webinar, a masterclass, which I held. I had three in one day. People told me you'll never manage three in one day. It's exhausting. Oh my God, I love them. Like <laughs> honestly, I come yeah. off those calls and it's like 10:30 at night UK time. My first one is at 8 a.m. UK time. So I've done one first thing in the morning, one middle of the day, one night sort of evening. And I come off and I'm still buzzing for about two hours afterwards because I get so much energy from them. I love them. But basically, I went on and I did a webinar and my thing about the webinar is, I don't know about you, Eric, I've watched a million webinars where they've given me nothing. Like the title has been, oh, this is going to be really good. And I've sat for an hour and a half and all I've done is be sold to for that hour and a half. Right. And I'm just frustrated by the end of it. Cause I'm like, Come on you said you were going to give me this thing i have a very clear structure when i do a webinar before the webinar i i work really hard to try and get them onto the webinar live so that is really important for me so i have once they've signed up there are a number of emails that go out that obviously are encouraging them to turn up live if my webinar numbers were too small or not too small but if they were small enough that i could do individual stuff i would have contacted them if I knew them through, if I recognize some of their names and I'm connected with them through another platform, I'd have DM them and gone, hey, really looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday or whatever it was. The other thing I did is I actually, anybody that had DM'd me anytime in the past, I don't know, couple of weeks, I literally went back through and say, hey, I just wanted to make sure you'd seen this, thought it might interest you. Again, trying to get them onto that webinar. Again, I couldn't have done that through DMs if it hadn't have been smaller numbers. So if my DMs were, I don't know, the size of Jasmine Stars, and she's probably getting, I don't know, 50 to 100 a day or something, then you couldn't physically do it. Whereas I could, because I was only getting, say, two or three DMs a day. So that worked well for me. And again, I got people replying, oh yeah, thank you, Teresa. I did see it, haven't signed up, just done it. So that was really helpful. And then on the webinar itself, I break it down really clearly. I do an introduction. And in the introduction, I say to them, the part where you say, are you in the right place? You know, So are you where you should be? Is this for you? I actually say to them, if you get offended or upset by someone who gives you an hour's free training and then offers you something at the end. So I make it really clear to them that I am going to train them. However, I am going to offer you something at the end. I have got something I want to sell, but you can sit here for an hour, get that value and then go away on your merry way and not buy a thing. And that is absolutely fine. But then I make sure I give them good value. So I literally cram in as much good content as I can. And then obviously from there, at the end of that, I then go, okay, if you want to take it further or you want the next steps, then obviously come and join me in the academy. So, But for me, the live masterclass webinar, even though the the turn up rate is getting lower and people are not as in love with them as they used to, for me, I teach well on camera. I like speaking. So for me, it suits me really, really well. It might not suit everybody doing it that way.
1: I think what's also clear throughout this entire process you're describing is you really value the personal connection and the developing of the relationship. Yeah. Right? So I just want to go back to a couple of things. Uh, and I realize that this is going to be part of my job on this podcast because <laughs> you were talking about the webinar. In my mind, I know you gave a whole one-hour talk just about webinars at Atomicon. I did. Right? <laughs> so we're, we're trying to cover a lot of stuff here. So naturally you have a lot of stuff to give. So my job is to, you know, sometimes pause and just clarify maybe the lead magnet concept. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you just briefly explain what that is and, and some of the strategies for around lead magnets?
0: Yeah, sure thing. So one of the ways that you can get people on your email list, because getting them on social media is great. Obviously I'm a huge advocate of social media. I love it. It's very powerful. It's great. But they don't belong to us. So, social media is a tool that belongs to the platforms themselves. The people on them belong to the platforms. So, the best thing that you can always try and do is get them not off completely, you're still going to engage with them on social media, but get them onto your own email list. So the way I do this and works for me is through lead magnets. Now, my lead magnets tend to be downloadable type PDF things. But again, I've had a million of these that gave me no value whatsoever. So I cram them full of good value and I make them very clear, very succinct and quick wins. No one really wants a 50 page ebook necessarily, not when they've just heard about you, because that's a big investment for them to have to read that. What they want is for me to tell you very quickly how you should do something and what you should do. So my three lead magnets that I had out were five things that they could do to build their email list that they might not be thinking about so these were kind of some of the more unusual tactics that I would use to build my email list there was one around webinars and there was one around building your sales page and that was actually 10 things that I always include on a sales page so in fact they could have literally done a whole sales page from that one lead magnet so I put them out as fairly short, succinct, quick win PDFs that then I promote through social media. I promote through advertising on Facebook. I put everywhere. I talk about them on the podcast. I always do very easy URLs. So it's always com forward slash and whatever the lead magnet's called. So while well, they're on the podcast, even if they're not writing it down, they hopefully might remember it. So I link up to it in the show notes and I try and put them everywhere. And those lead magnets lead into what the masterclass is about, because there's no good me putting a lead magnet out there that's all about how to do PR. And then my stuff is nothing to do with PR. So it really does need to be almost like not the next step, but very much complementing the lead magnet.
1: So basically, you've got a number of these lead magnets to get people on your email list. And yeah. it's all of these things are gearing up towards and leading towards the webinar master classes that you yes. do prior to the launch.
0: Yeah, because having them on your email list, you're still going to put it all on your social media. It just gives you another touch point, you know, and a touch point that might be slightly more effective based on how the algorithm works and they might not see your social media post.
1: Right. Now, at this stage in the game, are you doing any sort of automation on your email list, uh, autoresponders when they're signing up or is it all just newsletters? Yes. Class? Okay.
0: No, so it's automation. So they have an onboarding sequence from their lead magnet. And then obviously we go into the weekly email newsletter, which again, this is a really, um, if I can just touch on this quickly, Mm -hmm. I was building my email list and I was doing nothing with them. Like talk about taking my own good advice. I literally didn't take my own advice. And I decided to email my list and say, listen, I've been a fool. And I talked to them very honestly because I want that personal connection. And I said, I've been an absolute idiot. I've been collecting you all like stamps and you're on my list and I've given you nothing. Like I haven't emailed you. I've given you the thing you asked." for but I've not been emailing you. So now I'm going to email you every Wednesday and I actually wrote in the email that I'm going to add value, I'm going to give you stuff. I'm not going to be just selling to you every Wednesday. I am going to add value and I'm going to write the emails. And I did consider getting my copywriter or the girl who writes my show next to my podcaster, considered getting her to write them for me. And I actually put in my email. But if you wanted to hear from her, you'd have signed up for her email list, not mine. So I'm not promising you awarding winning writing. I'm not promising you no typos, but I am promising you that I will be sat at my desk writing these emails with you in mind. And the response I got was phenomenal. It was people emailing me back like, thank you so much. This is so refreshing. This is so, because I don't know, you know, you're in the same world as Mary, you know, that you'll be signed up to stuff. You'll get emails from your favorite people. And it sounds like a copywriter. It doesn't sound like them. And I, I don't like that. That's not for
1: me. Well, which again, going back to our theme of small versus big, this is the real challenge of getting big is how do you keep that personal connection and get big? Mm -hmm. And some people start with that like because all these tools have been created to assist with large numbers. And therefore, a lot of people who are large are promoting these tools. But then you bypass and skip the step of learning how to build the connection with your community and listen to the community, which ultimately listening to the community is giving you the ammunition you need to actually grow your product in the direction that the market wants. So it's a weird world today.
0: (laughs) It is. And I, like I said, we've got all these cool things that we can use, but like you said, it's almost taken away from from actually doing the smaller stuff or having to make that bit of an effort. And don't get me wrong, you know we try and build things in a way that we can scale them easier, but why not do some of those more personal things? Because this is the only time you're really going to be able to do that. And that's where you create those fans. That's where you create people who love you because you've put that time and effort into them.
1: Right, and the amount of goodwill and promotion that somebody who truly is a fan of yours can't be... Uh. Compared with no in terms of it, any terms no. of marketing efforts, exactly. So, jumping back to your webinars, so you did three live webinars in a single day. How did the results of that?
0: So, the webinar show up rate was about thirty to thirty seven percent on people who signed up. So that wasn't too bad. I was I was fairly okay with that. It did differ depending on time of day. So that's always really useful as well. So the other thing about all this process is literally all the results you get at the end of it to then start tailoring and tweaking and that sort of thing. But then from the conversion rate of attendees to sales was about 25%. So my percentage of sales from a webinar is great i'm really pleased with that percentage so it proves my theory to myself that if i can get people on a webinar then they can i can do a better job of convincing them what the benefits are than necessarily just a sales page and therefore that was really helpful to understand that because now I need to focus on right how do I get more people onto the webinar and then that gives me something to aim for and again it draws that line in the sand it basically goes okay this is what you got and it's not to say that I'm always going to get that because it might have been that you know those people were waiting for this to open and therefore they were like yes definitely whereas it might go down on the next one or it might
1: not be as much or might be more whatever but at least it gives you a guide. So now when you say you had a 25% conversion rate, the conversion was they were actually signing up for your membership site? Yes. Okay. So your membership site at this point, just to get the timeline in my mind correct, the website was already launched at the time of your webinar, was launched the day that you did your webinars? Was that the first day? Yes. So they could literally sign up that day. Yeah.
0: And then from the webinar, obviously we then... Uh, So we're in webinar mode and, and promoting people onto the webinar. Then the minute that webinar hits, we're then in obviously a sales mode where we're focusing on sending people to the sales page. But obviously the best way in which to do this and the best way to do it was through the webinar.
1: And do you have any favorite tools that you use to facilitate your webinar process? So
0: I just used, uh, zoom. I, I actually quite like it. I think it's pretty good. And obviously the one thing I would recommend with the webinar though, is I always have someone else on with me. So I have one of my team and, the last webinar of the day, because it was late and my poor team member had been on on the other two. That was actually my husband. He actually helps in the business, but he was my assistant for that evening. And the reason I have someone on is because it's really hard to teach and read comments at the same time because you get so distracted and I lose what I'm saying. So I tell them again, it's managing their expectations. I say at the beginning, I, you know, I want you to ask questions as I go along, but I'm not looking at them. I'm going to answer them at the end, right. which is another great way to keep them until the end. So that's helpful. But I just couldn't do it as I go along because I would go off on tangents constantly. So then what's happening is the chat is, obviously people are putting stuff in the chat. My assistant or my husband in that case was then taking the comments out of the chat, telling me who it was and then sending it via a different way. So for instance, we either had, Skype open or Slack open, or I had it a text message. And then basically when I got to the end and I was ready to answer questions, I could literally go to that other thing rather than trying to have to go back through all the comments and all the kind of chat that was going on. And I could literally go, okay, first question is from da, 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 and I could answer it and just quickly that for me is the best bit about the entire webinar like the same with the the membership it's like great that you can sit and watch me teach but the value comes where you can say Teresa you know you said do that thing well would that work for me and my business as this and then I could go actually you're right I'd probably tweak it and do this or I'd probably do that that has got to be where the value comes because then I you get a direct answer about your business
1: right and that's why you choose to do three live webinars as opposed to one live webinar and two recordings
0: exactly and do you know i have been asked like a few times and and my assistant said to me a couple of times you know should we evergreen this should we automate it and i know obviously there are some very many successful online courses and memberships that are evergreen and i'm not going to say never But for me, I just really like that interaction. I like the fact that I go on and go, where are you from? And then get all excited when there's people from around the world sat there watching me. And yeah, I like that live bit.
1: You know, we've actually been doing that at Member Mouse. We do live office hours most Fridays. And it's been a tremendous learning experience and value just, you know, just being on available for 30 minutes a week for people who are prospects or current customers to ask questions, it makes a big impact. And I don't feel like it can truly be measured. There are certainly metrics that we have on it. We're like, okay, like the sales process is longer. People are engaging us more before they buy and they do end up signing up, which maybe they normally wouldn't have if they didn't have that opportunity to connect. And people who are customers have a place where they can ask questions and if they're frustrated, get the answers before making a decision yeah. to leave. yeah. So there's obviously tangible metrics, but there's also intangible ones that you get from just being present and giving people that opportunity to connect with you.
0: Exactly. I think just even being there live at that point and being like, look, here I am, you know, you can't get more authentic and sort of not vulnerable, but you know what I mean, kind of. This is me. I am sat here at an end of a screen. This isn't scripted. This isn't, you know, prepped. I, when I do webinars, I am very real, like the same I am on my podcast, the same I'm on stage, because that's what they're going to get from me. So that's what I need to show them. So I much prefer the live thing. I actually much prefer if you said to me, Can you do a pre recorded video or can you do a live one? Give me live any day, which I know lots of people, it scares them. But when you're doing something like that, if you mess up, people don't mind so much, you know, whereas actually if it's pre-recorded, they do expect it to be a little bit more polished and a bit more finished. And yeah, so I really like the live stuff.
1: I like live too. And a lot of it's because how do you know what to say if there's no audience? In my yeah. mind, it's like, otherwise, who are you talking to? You have to shotgun approach it. Whereas if there's an audience who's responding to you, yeah, you can tailor what you're saying to them. Absolutely. So the day of the launch, the day of the webinars, it seems like there's probably a lot going on on this particular day or a couple of Mm -hmm. days. What other things besides the webinar in terms of what you're doing do you have to work with? Like, for example, is your cart opening and closing? Do you have specific email communications planned out throughout that particular period of time?
0: Yeah. So, like I said, the aim before the webinar is just getting people on the live webinar. Then the minute the webinar has happened, we have a process that we do immediately after each webinar. So, the minute a webinar finishes, we get the list off Zoom as to who attended, and we will then go and match that against who signed up. And we send out two emails. We send out one email to the people that signed up but didn't attend, one email to the people who signed up and did attend. So I want to make it very personal at that point because the other thing you've got to think about is obviously now we're trying to promote the membership, but the people who came to your webinar, they know about the membership. They know that it's obviously on sale because they've just watched you talk about it. The people who didn't attend the webinar, they don't even know that that's an option yet. So your aim or my aim that I feel are the people who signed up but didn't attend, my aim is to get them to watch the replay And then to introduce the fact that I've got something on sale. The other thing I do is I limit the replay. So I only give them a replay available for maybe, well, in fact, this time I did it for as long as the cart was open, which was a week. So I gave them a week to watch the replay because I want to put that sense of urgency. If I'm closing the cart, I want them to not take forever to watch the replay. So like I said, I split the two different types of emails. And then anybody else on my list, which didn't sign up for the webinar, I will send them more gentle sales emails. So I only sent a couple because I'm, I obviously want to sell my membership, but I, I also don't want to annoy my list. And I don't want to irritate them because they just might not be ready at this point. So if I go all out kind of full on hardcore selling, people are going to get irritated and I get irritated by it. So, And that's where some of those kind of more icky type sales tactics come in that I'm not so keen on. So by doing a couple of emails and very honestly going, hey, I just I just want to let you know one more time because I really don't want you to miss out. It is going to shut on this day. But, you know, if you've got any questions, let me know type thing. It was more like those sorts of emails. So like I said, after each webinar, we did that process in terms of who was on and who wasn't on. Then we do things like we have a load of posts ready to go out on social media. We have an advert ready to go up on social media, which we're doing through a retargeting. So you can still do that with a fairly small list. It's better with a bigger list, but you can still do it. So people who had been on the webinar or on my list would send them an ad as well. Through Facebook, just because again, it's just another touch point and it's another way to kind of go. In case you didn't see that, here it is over here. So we have those other things kind of ready in the pipeline, ready to go. Because, like you said, you're full of it on that first day. So you want to make sure everything's good and ready to go then.
1: Right. Now you're talking about opening and closing the cart. So you're literally only accepting members for your membership site in that one week period of time.
0: Yes. Now, this isn't necessarily what I will do forever. The reason, and again, if you're literally just starting, this was my thought process behind it. I hadn't done the membership before. Obviously, I knew what they're about. I knew what I was going to put in there. I knew how I thought it was going to go. But in all honesty... I didn't know because until you get in there, you don't know, A, who's come into the membership, what they're expecting to get from you, what you're going to do for them, what's going to work, what's not going to work. Also, you're testing everything because as much testing you can do beforehand, it's very different when suddenly it's live and people are going in. So for me... I didn't want to be trying to sell at the same time as I was trying to love the people in the membership. So I made a decision and I was very honest about that on all my communication about the membership. I said, I am closing the cart, And the reason I'm doing this is because I want to pay attention to the people in the membership when that week's over. So I kind of very honestly said to the people in the membership, you know, I was present, but not as present as I was once that cart closed. Now, When the cart reopens at the end of September, I might leave it open. I'm yet to decide that. Mm -hmm. But I really loved the fact of I can concentrate on the members now. I don't have to be thinking about selling and promoting and that sort of thing.
1: And I imagine that has positive impacts on retention and engagement. You know, just that you're making a conscious decision to close the doors and be like, okay, look, everybody who's here, this is who I'm working with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of honesty around saying, right, I am going to close the doors, so they're shut, that's it. Also about the fact that I want to spend that time with them. And I want to focus on them in the group. And I want to give them the love that kind of, because this is a big thing. okay? They're trusting me. And what really surprised me was I had a couple of, well, more than a couple, quite a few annual signups because I gave a monthly cost and an annual cost. Now, for someone to immediately go, here's a whole year, I was like, wow, that is big trust and thank you so much for that. So I wanted them to know that, you know, them taking a a risk and a chance on me by putting their money on something they didn't know what it was and there was no one else (laughs) in in there to say, you know, this is good. I wanted to thank them for that by giving them that time.
1: The other thing about good about small is it keeps us as the person who's selling conscious of the fact that when people are giving us money, The money is important to both us and them, but it's not the most important thing to them. The most important thing usually is like, hey, I'm giving you money, but really I'm doing this because there's some goal or thing that I'm trying to accomplish that I can't do on my own. And hopefully you can help me with it. Absolutely. And that's the thing they want to accomplish. And so, sure, you know, they can stay for three months and end up canceling because something wasn't to their liking. But Mm -hmm. that would be a a loss greater than just the amount of money they paid. That would be a loss of the dream that, oh, I can actually accomplish this. So again, another vote in favor of having a situation where you can really pay attention and get to know each individual person's position and how you can help.
0: Absolutely. And you know, it's almost like they are as invested in you as you are in them. Like, So I have had a cancellation, strangely enough, within these first few weeks. And she came back to me and said, she emailed me for one, so she didn't just like straight off cancel. She emailed me and said, listen, Teresa, you know, I this isn't the right time for me. I thought it was, but it's not. I, ha- I don't think I can give the time to this. I'm afraid I'm going to have to cancel. And I went back to her again personally you know we have I've got team members and they they do do certain things but I wanted to go back to her and I said no worries at all I totally understand because again there's I obviously want to keep them, but I don't want to force them into something. If they don't want to be in there, they don't want to be in there. And I said, from a learning point of view, from the academy and a personal learning point of view, can you tell me why? And I want you to be as honest as possible. And she came back and, bless her, she was like, I trust you implicitly. I know you're good at what you do, I love your stuff. It just isn't right for me right now, but I'll be back. And I was like, thank you very much. That's lovely. Here you go type thing. And and cancelled on membership and she had obviously a bit of time left because she had joined for a month. But for me, that is a really positive experience because it's not her time right now. However, it might be in a couple of months time, or she might say to someone, do you know what? You really want to go and do this membership because it's awesome. It just wasn't right for me at that point. So like I said, for me, that was a very positive experience, even though she left.
1: Yeah. Everything we've covered up to this point has pretty much been up to and including the launch. And yeah. even though we've only you know grazed the tip of the iceberg, it's a lot A lot of stuff to do. Um, With that said, still, once your launch is done, well now in a sense, the real work begins. And so how have things been and what have you been focusing on since the doors closed and you're actually running the membership? So
0: you're right. I think, like you said, there's so much that goes into launch, but actually, once launch is done, you've got to then do the membership. And I think the first thing that's interesting is even though I told myself forever in a day, this is what I wanted. You don't know until you start doing it and you don't know how you're going to feel when you've got to do a coaching call at eight o'clock at night because it fits in with the American audience or when you've got to create more content and that sort of thing. So that for me, again, is the first test that I kind of had to see, like, I think this is what I want, but is it? And I'm very glad to say it is exactly what I want. And I think for me, that very first coaching call I did again, I came off and I was literally I could do that all day, every single day of the week and not get bored, which made me kind of very confident and happy that I'd made the right decision. But what I did was my aim is very much about adding value and pleasing people. So I immediately gave them all more coaching calls. So. When I sold the membership, I said it was a coaching call once a month, but actually I've been doing them every two weeks because I wanted to get to know them and I wanted them to get to know me and I wanted to do some really good quick things and I knew that's where the value would be. I've also thrown in more content than I would normally because again, my plan is once a month, I'll put a training in there and it's going to be all around different marketing things. So we've got, I split it up into sections which follow the theme of the webinar. So I have what I call the marketing that converts method. And it comprises of four sections, get seen, get emails, get sales, and get fans. And it basically tells you how to take someone from not really knowing who you are to then seeing your stuff, to signing up to your newsletter or whatever, then convert them to sale, then convert them into a fan so they start promoting you. So I've put content in each of those sections so they had something to get started with. And like I said, I've just been spending a lot of time loving them. The other thing I did, a couple of little things which again and I could only do because the size of it, is I hand wrote cards to all of them. So, and I will do this again, even if we have more people join. I'm kind of spoiling the surprise if anybody does join. But <laughs> the point was, I went and looked at them and some people I vaguely knew or I'd met or had seen me speak or were on my email list and some people I didn't really know much about. So I went and kind of, well, I'd already asked them to introduce themselves in their group and I went and looked at their businesses. I went and looked at what they did and I tried to write something personal on every single one. And like I said, I wrote everyone. you know, when you sort of start a membership with 30 odd members, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I can tell you it takes time. And again, the response from that was amazing. The other thing I've done since starting the membership, which is going to pay dividends going forward, is my uh, one of my team members and I sat here the other day and we literally went through every single member and she almost like did a mini interview on me about who they were. I answered questions like, do they have children? Where do they live? How do they know me? Where did they come from? Did they go on the webinar? Didn't they go on the webinar? And I tried to profile these people because again, before you start this process, you think you know who you're attracting and you think you know who you want in there. However, let's see, let's literally go, this person is a social media manager. She has a small freelance agency. She has children. She's trying to manage this. She's doing this. This guy has a product. This guy has a membership. This person's just launched an online course. And it's basically kind of literally going, okay, that's who you are. But The other thing that it's helped with when people come on the call and I go, hi, whoever, Bridget, how did the membership go? Or how's your whatever? Again, that value for me is like, if someone remembers details about me, it's like, you care. You care enough to remember. So I think stuff like that's super important.
1: And like you said, I'm sure it's going to pay major dividends. When you were talking about all this, it reminded me of uh, Back to Atomicon, a big theme of that. Actually, I think it seemed like a lot of their messaging of both Andrew and Pete and guests was they seemed to be targeting people who were trading time for money. A lot of people yes. in the audience mm-hmm. were people who were consultants and people who were doing these one on one things. And there's an obvious scaling issue with a business like that. And, you know, we touched on how you've been doing the consultation thing for a long time. And now that you're getting a a taste of the membership thing and feeling it out, do you feel like there will come a day where you'll just switch over for a large portion of your time doing your membership as opposed to one-on-one? Honestly, Eric, I can't wait for the day. Like I'm serious. I am counting
0: down the days. The point in which I get a tipping point where I have an agency. And so we've done a lot of stuff for a lot of people in terms of we've done their social media, we've done their email list, we've done lead magnets, we've set up funnels, we've set up memberships, we've helped them with online courses. So not only do I consult, but we can physically do these things as well for them. Don't get me wrong. I love working with clients. and I love the experience that has given me because without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. However, I worked in marketing for, like I said, you know, I've been in marketing now 15 years. For 10 years of that, I was working in a job and I left my job because I wanted that freedom of being on my own and doing my own thing and managing myself and being able to go to a conference if I thought it was worth going to or take a day off if I wanted to. And what happens when you have clients is you basically just have more bosses. Don't get me wrong, you know, it's been a wonderful business and I've loved the clients, but it wasn't necessarily what I want to do going forward and what I want to do going forward is the membership. So now I have very distinct goals in terms of this is what I want to do. I've got the speaking. That's a big thing. And I love doing that. I love the podcasting stuff. I love the membership and there are, other things where I'm going to do a 90-day program that will be a bit more high touch so that if they felt that they needed more than just a group coaching call in terms of a larger group. So when the membership maybe does get to a point where it's getting bigger, because at the moment, the value the guys are getting in the membership is huge. They joined on $29. That was where I I set it. And I said, it's never going to be this low again. I'm doing this because you guys are coming in brand new and you're going to help me test a few things. And we're going to work a few things out while you're in there. So I said, this is the price it's coming in at. It's never going to be that low. But the membership obviously is very, very good value. So if they do want that higher touch, then maybe a 90-day program. Maybe there'll still be a little bit of consulting where I just tell people what to do and we don't physically do it. But this is my long-term aim, goal, that this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I look at the membership guys and I just think, oh, wow, how amazing. That's where I want to get to. That's where I want to get to.
1: And really, it just is a natural progression too because with all the experience you have, it's just more valuable to people in general that you can spread it around. And yeah. the fact that the membership, it, it basically has a, um, it's the the situation where you know, normally your fees would be a certain amount and only a certain amount of people could do it. But now that you are getting a crowdsourcing impact, yes. it means more people can get access to you, which is great. And the other benefit is that because you're so honest and open about what you expect of yourself and what you have to offer and also what people should expect to do if they come to you, there's more accountability on their end. Like they have to mm. expect that there's going to be work to do. Yeah, And for those sure. are the kind for of people sure. that we want to work with. We don't want to work with people who, you know, are just paying the money because they hope that something will happen and somebody will do it for them.
0: No, Absolutely. And and that's the other thing that was interesting because I'd had the agency for ages and I'd obviously built up a reputation and a database from that. But the thing was people on that list, they didn't want my academy because they wanted people to do it for them. So then I had to almost start from scratch when I decided to go for the academy side and, and do the membership because of the fact that I knew I needed to reach different people who Granted, they might want someone to do it, but they're not necessarily in the financial position at that point. And also some stuff I wouldn't recommend that you get people to do. And I think in the early days, it's good that you do all this stuff yourself because when you do grow, you know what you're expecting, you know what you like, you know what you expect. So, you know, you see clients all the time where we used to do Facebook ads or they'd have someone do this for you and then you'd go, can I just have a quick look at what they've done? And you'd look and you'd go, you know that that's not great or you know (laughs) that that isn't the case because they haven't had the experience of it. So for me, to help them get the experience, to give them an idea of what's good or bad or right or wrong, And again, super honest about these things. And I try and say to them, if it's my money, would I spend it? And my husband and I sit there constantly talking about, you know, is it good value? Am I offering good stuff? Am I doing this? And he's like, oh my God, it's like the best value in the world. Like right now, you know what the membership is at because we're building the value these guys are getting is phenomenal. And that is absolutely fine by me. It's my thank you to them for coming in in the early days, and the same when we open again. You know they're going to get more value to begin with because we're in the early days, and I can do that.
1: Yeah, we talked a little bit about in the beginning how you're a part of of different groups online, different marketing groups. What has been your experience with those, and how does that influence how you're working on yours?
0: So I think my experience has been a few different things. First one is. From a marketing point of view, I've been in a membership before now, and when they've gone into sales mode for the membership, i.e. when they've opened the cart again, they've been advertising to me to join. And I'm in the membership. And that was really frustrating because it's like, the thing is, this person is huge. And the thing is, they're probably not doing their own ads and they're probably not managing their own email list. But the point is, whoever is managing their email list is not doing a very good job of cleaning out who is already a member. So obviously, when I do any promotions on anything, if you're a member, you don't get those emails because why should you you're a member so things like that really bothered me it was like if you do want to do things at scale which they were doing get the little things right you know get that right because that makes me feel like you don't even know i'm a member and that's not on you know and it's a real small fix
1: right it's like if you got sold girl scout cookies one day and the next day they show up and be like hey like give you the same sales pitch. You're like, um, I just bought some cookies yeah. yesterday. Did, did you not see <laughs> me yesterday?
0: Like, exactly. And it's like, oh, I'm really valued
1: then. Thank you very much. Because obviously you would value my, me being there. I mean, the Girl Scout cookies actually isn't a good example because you might want another box the next day. You might. <laughs> now I have to say, we don't have that sort of thing over here. So I've never even tried them. So oh, okay. maybe...
0: I come over to the States a lot. Maybe on my next trip, that is what I need to hunt down and Uh, see what they're like. There might be Um, better
1: things for you to hunt down.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I'll take that as as read and and maybe go for something else. Um, The other group I'm in and the other experience I've had is when I'm in a group that's got a Facebook page as part of that membership, as part of that group, and it's so big that one, you can't keep up And your notifications are literally every 30 seconds because I know what's lovely about the Academy at the moment is that I'm having so many good, positive, nice interactions. People are feeling they can come and ask questions. I'm answering them. I've got two team members in there with me who are specialists in different things. So again, when I feel that one of them are better placed, so if it's a tech thing or if it's a, like I've got a team member who's amazing at content creation and uses sort of video systems and is great at all that. So if it's important and I think they can answer it better, I'll get them to do it. The interaction's great. But my worry is, is that I don't want to irritate people by those notifications going off all the time. So when the group gets massive, that's the first thing. But the second thing is that you get lost in the group. And I just, like I said, I don't feel that I can shout out and and stand out enough. And actually, what's interesting is I went from one level of membership up to a different level of membership that was much more expensive so that I could then get a bit more or so that I was in a much smaller group. Because in this one group now for this one membership, it's you're talking like two, three thousand people. And I don't even know how you get seen. And, you know, this might be a strategy that I need to work out and I need to get there. And I'm sure there are ways. And actually, I'm not talking, this example I'm talking about isn't the membership guys, because actually they do it amazingly well. And how they manage to have their membership at the size it is with all that high touch is the blueprint I'm trying to lead to, because actually they do do it amazingly well. Whereas they are in the minority and lots of memberships that get to such a big size, unless you are a very loud, very active member of the group, you literally can be lost. And, and I don't want members to feel like that. Now I know there's members that are voyeurs and just want to look and don't want to get involved and that's absolutely fine, but I don't want them to feel like it's not because they're not seen. And, and the other thing is often in those groups, when they get that big, the person whose membership you've signed into isn't present. So they're not answering the questions and they're not necessarily, active in there. And again, that for me feels a little bit disingenuous. You know, when I, and I keep talking about membership guys, but they're a good example. When I put a question into the uh, forum, Callie comes and answers it like amazing because I'm buying into your membership because you're the expert. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I've got two team members in there and someone just put in a question about active campaign. I don't use active campaign my assistant does so she is obviously much better placed to answer that question because it 's very specific but any marketing question anything that I can answer on even if I just go yeah great answer by so and so I would do that too i 'm active and i 'm visible on every single post which is super important for me at the moment
1: yeah so what I hear a lot in from your experience that you're applying to your membership and in turn I think what you're pitching and promoting to your members is that personalization and personal communication is really what's of value. And I 100% agree with that because the world we are, we live in today, there's just so much choice, so many options for everything. You know, you got to go buy some toothpaste and, you know, you got to sit there for five minutes and consult Google and be like, well, you know, all this stuff. So if you can create that personal connection, Not only is that going to be better for you as the person who's running it, not only is it going to be a better experience for the customer, but that ultimately leads to organic growth because we all want that. We all want to connect with somebody when we're doing something. I think that's a huge thing to be a focus and to put a priority on. And. Do you know what? There are a million me's
0: out in that world,
1: right? The social media
0: and digital marketing space is a busy one and it's very competitive. And there are some very smart, clever people who've got big presences. And the only thing that's ever going to differ from them to me is me. That's it. The person. So if you're not doing that personal stuff, how are they ever going to get to know you and like you and, and want to work with you? So for me, That's why that connection is so important and genuine, you know? And I think that's the other thing, it needs to be genuine. It's really interesting, again, being in this space. There's one guy that I'm part of his membership, and we found out on one of our um, meetups that he doesn't respond to his own social media, someone else responds on his behalf. And it was a little bit like, oh, Okay, because you think you're having when you're in someone's DMs on Instagram, you think you're actually speaking to them. Whereas you take someone like Jasmine Starr, she genuinely is responding to all of her DMs. If she responds, it's her. And again, I wanted people to know that that was the case with me, that if you email me, I will email you back. If you DM me, I will DM you back. And actually one thing I did do for between the webinar and while I was trying to sell the membership was I actually sent voice notes to people because one of the things I love to do obviously is talk way more than I write. Like I don't like writing. Talking, I can do with ease. So because... Instagram has got that voice note thing on DM. I love it. And I do use it a lot anyway. But I literally would send voice notes going, hey, thanks so much for coming to the webinar. Obviously, if you've got any questions about the membership, if you need to know anything, please just give me a shout. I just wanted to touch base and make sure you saw everything. And again, generally, because I was so I wasn't trying to be like, you want to join because it's this and it's amazing. And I was just being like, just want to make sure you saw it and I don't want you to miss out on that thing or whatever, because I was being very genuine about it. I got very genuine responses back, which was lovely and all very
1: positive. And I'm sure some people have made those, they recording for their alarm clocks and stuff. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you know what? This is brilliant. Right. So we were in Nashville and um, my very good friend, Mary Hyatt, who is a coach, we went and spent some time with her and her friend Bentley was there. And, like they kept laughing because every time I'd wake up in the morning and see them, I'd be like, morning, Mary. And she'd be like, oh my God. And Bentley's like, can you just record that? So I'd be like, hello, Bentley. And he's like recording. He's like, this is the best thing ever. So he's like, that's going to be his like ringtone or something. It's like, someone's ringing you, Bentley. And then he just thought it was amazing. So maybe like as a freebie, that's what I should give away, not a lead magnet. I'll give you like, a personalized wake-up call in a morning or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good idea. And, you know, the thing is, and I think scientifically, you're doing this naturally. But scientifically, there's so much more communicated in tonality of voice than a written message. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, your voice. Ever since I've met you, it's very clear that the power of your personality comes through your voice. So the more that you can use it you're doing it naturally but the more that you use it, it is to your benefit because so much is communicated in that there's there's the compassion the understanding the motivation the excitement the enthusiasm yeah. like you can't type that into instagram no what you just said that you said to someone, you're like, none of those words were, it was just like, oh, you know, you're good and everything's good. Like if you type that, it means, you know, very little.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing I'm trying to do with my emails is I encourage them obviously to listen to the podcast and lots of people come from the podcast to my email list. But, is I'm trying to write it as I speak. So sometimes I, you know, someone will proofread it for me and be like, oh, does this make sense? Because I am literally writing it as I speak and some things don't make sense written down. But I want people to hear my voice. I want them to read it like and literally be like, oh yeah, I can imagine her saying that because... For me, trying to get that across in text is really, really important. So, And do you know the other thing I do? And actually, I've got a freebie out at the moment, which I'm happy to share with your your audience. But on this freebie, obviously, you've got the landing page, which is just a standard landing page to get the freebie. When they get to the thank you page, I've recorded a video. And the video says, hi, if we haven't met, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what's included in your freebie. It's really good. Can't wait to see what you do. But again, because I I appreciate that, I did my Myers-Briggs, I think it's Myers-Briggs and it said that I am better face-to-face than I am through a sales page. So I use that, I use those opportunities to connect with someone and when a face is saying to you, come and find me and say hello or come and DM me or come and do this or can't wait to see what you think, it's because I mean it and it just has that whole much more gravitas to it than necessarily if I just chucked it on a sale page, thanks, come and say hi, you know? So that's why I try and use that as much as I can.
1: And it's, again, about going with your strengths and understanding who you are, which you really can't do unless you put yourself out there in the first place. Yeah, Learning from all those years doing client work and now testing the waters with the membership site. And we were talking a little bit ago, you mentioned... There's a million me's out there, and it's true. And and in this time, it's true of everything. When I was considering doing this podcast, I was like, "Well, you know, what do I have to say that nobody else has to say?" Mm -hmm. And I'm a very logical person, so I came to the conclusion that, "Well, it's already out there." But I was listening to a Pat Flynn episode, and his guest, who was on, she had the same issue about starting her podcast, and somebody said to her, "Well, you know, there's no new messages, just new messengers." Yeah, that's good, isn't and it? And it's important. And to me, that gave me permission to do it because it's like, yeah, there's, I can be a messenger of a kind and I won't be able to reach the world, but there will be a small group of people who are interested in hearing what I have to say about something that so many other people have said, but I say it in a unique way because of who I yeah. am.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and like you said, in both of our worlds, there's nothing that you can't find on the internet. Like, honestly, just Google it. There are millions and millions of things. However, if you want it from my take or from my experience, or you like listening to me, then great, come and get it from me. If I'm not your cup of tea, if I'm not for you, then that's cool as well. Like, don't get me wrong; it'd be nice if I was, but if I'm not, then that's okay. You know, there are lots of other people out there who can do that for you. So. I used to really worry about this and I used to really freak out about it and think, you know, what's this person doing and what's that person doing? And then I just got to a point where it's like, if they want to come and do work with me, they're going to, if they're not, they're not going to. So exactly, me worrying about it is not going to change that.
1: And you not worrying about it means it gives you permission to just be who you are and trust For that sure. as a result of that, you'll end up with the people who truly authentically want to listen to you
0: like, don't get me wrong, obviously, being in marketing and helping people sell stuff, I know the tools and tactics, and I do use some of the tools and tactics, but it doesn't make me desperate for it, you know? I'm not desperately, like, trying to send an email every minute of every day. You know, I saw something the other day where someone opened a car and it was meant to shut, and they were like, oh, we had a computer error, so it's staying open. It's like, whatever. <laughs> like, and honestly, I'm like, what? And it really frustrates me because it's like, don't lie, because if you lie once people are gonna go hang on a minute you know whereas if I got to the end of my car and I didn't have the lovely 32 people that are in there currently I'd have still shut it you know whether I had five or two or one. In fact, one of my members came on a coaching call the other day and she opened her membership and got one member and was like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, you're going to love that member. And then you're going to go to every other person that was on the webinar and you're going to personally ask them if you can find out what they thought of your webinar, because she said her interaction was great, what thought the webinar and why they didn't sign up. And you're going to try and have a personal one-to-one conversation. Because your numbers are small, you can do that. And offer them something in return because if you offer them i don't know some free coaching or something then they might want to do that for you and help you out but you know you're in a position now where you can chop and change and move and better tailor your offering because you've only got one member so instead of sitting there thinking oh my god this is a failure i'm going to throw it in the bin think okay let's really understand what happened here
1: yeah I mean, there should be t-shirts like 32 members and proud. I mean, because it's it's a problem today with numbers. Everybody's trying to get a certain number of likes, a certain number of followers. And so you, quote unquote, see these small numbers. And it's small only relatively speaking to something else, which is the problem. Because if you think about it, and Andrew and Pete are the ones who I heard this from. If you think about it, think about 32 people in a room. Then mm, you're standing in front people. of them, right? It's, you know, yeah. that, that's not your everyday situation, right? So it, it is still meaningful, but it's just like we're so everything's become so digital data oriented that, yeah, you know, there's this uh, stigma associated with, oh, I should be ashamed. I only have this many people who like me or are friends with me or whatever.
0: And looking at how they found you, you know, there's some people who join my membership who, like I said, joined up for a year, which just blows me away the trust that they put in me. And then also, there's some people who joined who have never met me, never seen me, aren't on my email list, but they've seen me on Insta Story or they see me through LinkedIn or whatever it might be, or they saw me speak on stage once. And from then, they've made that decision. So, you've just, honestly, I celebrate every single tiny, teeny win. Cause it's like, do you know what? You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You know? And, and like you said, it's just loving them because I think the problem is if you sit there and go, I've only got 32 members, right. what are those 32 members <laughs> going to think? Like they're yeah, going like, to leave you. very quickly. We're going. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. So you should love them.
1: Yeah. Well, Thank you so much, Teresa, for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And oh, so much- as we wrap up here, can you uh, just tell our listeners some of those resources that you mentioned, your your website, some of the places that people can find you, your podcast, all that?
0: Absolutely. So basically, if you search Teresa Heath Waring on any social media platform, you're <laughs> going to find me. Uh, the advantage of having a very long and unusual name. The Podcast is called Marketing That Converts, so it's kind of a all connected to the the academy, and obviously if you go to teresahiswearing then you can find everything there. And also, if it's okay, I'll share that resource that I've just put out. Obviously, if you want to get the resource and unsubscribe, feel free. Uh, I don't want to feel like I'm trying to force you down my uh, you know lead magnet funnel, but I have put out uh, ten ways, ten things that you can do over ten days that are going to help you grow and and give you a few different things and confidence around social media and some of the digital marketing skills. So if you go to TeresaHeathWaring.com forward slash 10 as in the number ways, you'll be able to get that there.
1: Awesome. And we'll include those links in the show notes so people can find them and easily access them.
0: Great stuff.
1: Again, really appreciate you coming on, Teresa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. It's been lovely. That just about does it for this episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you so much for listening and many thanks to Teresa for coming on the show. I sincerely hope you benefited from our conversation and are ready to implement some of the strategies Teresa shared with you. For links to all the resources we mentioned in this episode and to learn more about Teresa, head over to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 132. There you'll also find the show notes and a transcript of our conversation. For more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts, and authors, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.